No, I just don't want to talk about them because it's like a penis. I don't want to talk about penises today. They look like penises? Oh, wait, I'm thinking of a sea cucumber. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bears and Brews podcast. I'm Pam. And I'm Salome. And we do not have Charlotte today, even though last week Aww. we said that she would be with us going forward. <laughs> she yeah, I said that. Yeah, so she's well, moving she is, uh, across the country. Yes, she's, which is, I moved like five minutes away and I was out for a little while. So she has, yeah, like every excuse to not be able to do this that's a lot that's a lot of moving (laughs) yes she's literally moving across the country so Mm -hmm. um in in a sedan with two dogs so i can't even imagine (laughs) cannot even imagine that way to go charlotte it is hard yeah yeah i i don't that would be hard um so what what's new what are you up to i'm recording this podcast Mm -hmm. and I was going to say drinking a soda, but we're not talking about the drinking part yet. We could be. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a LaCroix. I know what you're drinking because I saw it. <laughs> a cranberry. I know. It's so lame. Like, we've got a couple more weeks of sobriety, folks, and then I'll be back, back on the beer. <laughs> hey, it's, it's, you're getting hydrated. I'm drinking a blackberry soda. It's really good. Oh, nice. I oh, like it. Yeah. I wanted to tell you, I meant to say this mm-hmm. on the last episode, but... Last weekend, I went to the Tetons, and I got to see a bear that I have a photo of her hanging up on my wall, um, but I've never seen her in real life. It's a photo by a professional, uh, <laughs> which I am not. Um, and I I knew she had kind of been out in this certain area. I had a friend um, in Jackson who was kind of giving me some insider tips because mm-hmm. I'm not an asshole about where the animals are. So people share those things with me. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So I was able to go out and I was on my way to this area where she had been. And then um, this friend texted me and said, oh, she's out right now, right here. And I, you know, I was only five minutes away because that's where I was going anyway. But I got to watch her for probably an hour and a half just in this open field really close to the road she we're hoping she has cubs i almost said pups (laughs) we're hoping she has cubs (laughs) or some adopted pups just something like that that'd be cool too it'd be her first it would be her first cubs it'd be her first her first year having them wow Mm -hmm. that's so cool i think she's six i think um Anyway, yeah, we I kind of parked and I, you know, put put my camera on the tripod, got my binoculars out and stuff like that, and I was able to get a couple really good photos of her and she just made her way closer and closer and, you know, wildlife management was there. Every being shoulder season, it was so great because there's this huge grizzly bear. I mean, literally, she was visible from the main highway, mm-hmm. uh, the main road in the park. And normally you'd have 
just people everywhere. But there was maybe only 20 of us mm -hmm. and everyone was being so respectful and so good and listening to the wildlife rangers. And at some point I got back in my car and I had the window down. I was taking pictures out of the window. And then she just she just kept coming closer and closer to my vehicle. And I roll I rolled the window up and I just kind of sat there quietly and the ranger came by and she's like, oh, we're clearing the road. So as soon as you can move, you know, turn around and, and get off this road because I was on a little dirt road off the main road. Mm -hmm. And there was so much traffic, not so much traffic, but there was, you know, the cars that were ahead of me that she had already talked to, they were they were heading back to the main road. And so I couldn't go anywhere. So I sat there while she just got closer and closer to the car. Oh my God. And yeah, so I just, and she was like digging for like grubs and shit like that. And she was so like, oh, just like sitting back in my car, windows rolled up safely, just staying quiet, watching her. It was so amazing. Just that is so cool. And, you know, when she started out, she was probably 200 yards away when I parked the car. And then she just kind of came closer and closer and, and we adjusted as you should. And they ended up closing that road once everybody got off it. So we all kind of lined up on the highway, parked safely off the side, you know, um, and just watched her. She like laid down and took a nap and like, oh, my gosh, dude, it was <laughs> so fucking cute. So you sent us some really gorgeous pictures of a bear. Is yes. that the bear? Yes, that's the bear. Those were amazing. I know you're like, I'm not a professional photographer. Those are really good. Those are the best photos of any wildlife I've ever taken in my life. They were absolutely amazing. I do have that newer camera and or that better camera and she was really close and the lighting was just perfect. So, um, but I am upgrading my camera again. Uh, oh, even though you just have you just got your newer camera, like you literally. Yeah, but just it's not that. a good camera. I just got it to upgrade from a point and shoot, but it's still kind <laughs> of a point and shoot. Oh, yeah. So that's that was my exciting wildlife story because we didn't really have one last week either. So, yeah, what the hell? I know. So, do we have a bear fact of the day? We do. Yes, this is one of my favorite bear facts, and I've just been kind of keeping it hidden. Is it a butt one? Just tell me now. No, it's it's not a butt one. <sighs> okay, I'm ready. <laughs> uh, okay, so the bear fact of the day is that when bears are hibernating, they get a fungus, like a fungal growth oh. on their paws oh. throughout the winter. And as they leave the den and start walking around more, it gets like scraped off. Uh, when they come out of hibernation. And so researchers can sometimes tell how long a bear has been out of hibernation based on how much of that fungus is still left on their paws. So like if they see a bear, they just go up to the bear and just give it like a quick manicure and then they can tell. They tell it to shake. So it puts its <laughs> paw in their hand. And they go, good bear. No, if they, you know, if they're darting and like tagging them or whatever, um, doing right. research, yeah. No, that is very cool. It's gross, but cool. I don't think it's as gross as the butt stuff. Why is it gross? Like, do you know? Fungus? Do you know there's more fungi? I don't in know the if I want to know. I don't think I know. You don't want to need to tell me. <laughs> I was like, go ahead. There's more, there's more species of fungi in the world than anything else. Oh, first or second? There's about six million different species. Well, that's not really, that's not that impressive. So. You know, <laughs> way to go, fungi, I guess. Jeez, 
Shall we dive in? Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going to literally dive in because the animal that we're going to talk about today. Aquatic bears? It's not a bear, is it? It's not a bear. Uh, sea bears. It's not a bear. Starfish? No. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, So I erroneously mentioned these guys last week on the polar bear episode, and we laughed our asses off. I don't know if you remember. Uh, (gasps) River otters? Sea otters? Sea otters! Ah! And then we had a request to do otters, and I was like, you know what? Sea otters are at the top of my mind anyway. Let's do it. Someone's like, fuck all this bear butt stuff. Give us some otters. And I agree. Thank you, listener. Yes, it was our friend Jackie. Aw, love Jackie. I know. Isn't she the best? She's so sweet. Um, Yeah. So uh, let's get into it. So sea otters are part of the mustelid family, which is weasels. Oh, ferrets and mink and all of that stuff, right? And uh, wolverines are also part of that family, which is cool. I have a wolverine. You do. The way that I can tell you have two cats that are both very well, you have three cats that are large and black and fluffy. One of them wants to rip my mm-hmm. face off. The other two, <laughs> one of them tolerates me. One of varying levels of ripping your face. Off. One of them tolerates me. One of them actively likes me. And even though every time I see him, I'm shoving pills down his throat. <laughs> We're buds. He's the wolverine. But that's how I can tell him apart because his coat pattern looks like a wolverine. <laughs> So sea otters are actually, and this surprised me, I did not know this, sea otters are the largest member of the weasel family. Oh, I I always picture them being small, but they are bigger. I think because I confuse them with river otters, and river otters tend to be smaller, except for that giant one that you and I talked about in like the Amazon. Yeah, that's really actually kind of scary (laughs) to me. Those things are fucking, it's like the size of a mini horse. Like they're fucking terrifying. (laughs) don't want to swim with anything that big and actually we we'll get into it on the on the north american river otter episode but there has been this insane increase in attacks by river otters on humans like in lakes and rivers and stuff like that like to where people have almost died there's been a couple in the last few months that have been insanely severe like one lady got her ear ripped off and she got like half her face mangled and among a million other things yeah like it's been it's been crazy lately so i want to dig into that a little bit more uh when we talk about river otters um yeah so they're the they're the biggest of the weasel family but they're the smallest of all the marine mammals so seals and whales and dolphins and polar bears yeah i was trying to picture oh right okay Oh, yeah. And I also confuse them with seals. Um, they can be like 40 to 90 pounds, but they're usually about 65. That's like barely lighter than my big fucking dog. Oh, yeah. Because Thor's about 70 pounds. That's crazy. And so a normal sea otter is about 60, 65 pounds. Like that's fucking huge. When you think about what they look tiny. Yeah. You look up a picture of them. They have like this just little fuzzy face, kind of like this little diamond nose. And they can be up to 90 pounds. That's my two smaller dogs combined. That's insane. Is that a really chunky one that's like in a zoo or is that just, they're just really big? No, that's wild ones can get that big. So there's three subspecies 
Um, there's the Russian or Asian uh, sea otter, uh, the southern and the northern. And the main difference is just location and food, which we'll get into in just a minute. But um, back to being related to like dolphins or anything like that. Um, so they evolved about 2 million years ago in Japan and Russia, and they have some crazy adaptations that we're going to evolutionary adaptations that we're going to talk about in just a sec. But 2 million years is not really that long ago because whales and seals evolved about 20 to 50 million years ago. I need like a chart for this. My brain can't. You just it's you're just like throwing random numbers at it. Okay, what was the first one? <laughs> it's not okay, random. So it's just my, my whales brain. and seals evolved ten times longer, longer ago. ago. Oh, okay, <laughs> I know that that sounds nonsensical, but that actually does help me. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, sea otters about two million years. Okay. Yeah, and so. They ended up spreading like in like the Northern Pacific Rim, it's called. So um, they kind of came over the West Coast and they go all the way down to the Baja Peninsula in Mexico. Oh, wow. Oh, they're still found in <laughs> they're still found in all of those areas except Japan and a few random areas of the West Coast, like mm-hmm. very Northern California and Oregon, like north of the Bay. There's a bunch in the Bay Area. So I'm talking like super super northern california but north of the bay there aren't yeah and in oregon interesting but we're going to talk about that a little bit later so do they they stay by the coast right they're never like correct in the middle of the ocean they're pretty yep they like shallow coastal areas where there's a lot of food and a lot of kelp and we'll talk about that uh here in just a little bit but i want to talk about their adaptation so or well first of all um so currently they're like Russia, Alaska, and then like down the West coast of America. Right. But 90% of them mm. live in, um, Alaska or off the coast of Alaska. So 90% of the sea otters today live off the coast of Alaska. So Kenai fjords, glacier Bay, mm. the Kodiak area. Did you ever see any up there? I feel like I saw some in Seward. Yeah, there's a lot around Seward. You can just you can just walk out from your I think I, campsite and see them like from shore. And whales actually. Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty sure I did. Uh I think I think maybe I saw a whale there. I know I, I saw a whale in I think it was Homer. That's I think the only time I've ever seen part of a whale. I saw like a I think it was a humpback whale tail. Yeah, probably. There's a lot of humpbacks around there. We actually kayaked um, in Seward, and we got to see some fairly close to the kayaks. That would be so cool. Yeah, but you, if the the basic rule of thumb with with sea otters is if they notice you, you're too close. So they say like stay like five kayak lengths at least away. Oh, I was like, are they really nearsighted? Like, it's just like you're right next to them and they're like, hey, oh, oh my God. <laughs> no, no, but you want to keep your distance for sure because you don't want to stress them out. You don't want them to separate from each other or, you know. Oh, yeah. Change their behavior. Off. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Again, part of our, you know, wildlife safety that we've talked about before, if you're changing the animal's behavior, you're too close, you're too loud, 
you're too something. So too obnoxious and stupid. Yep. So some of their adaptations, um, so their sense of smell actually got reduced quite a lot as they evolved because they don't really need it underwater. The, in their limbs, they have increased bone density because it helps stabilize them and it helps them dive better. Interesting. Like a ballast on a ship. A ballast? <laughs> a ballast on a ship. This is a necropsy situation all over again. <laughs> Yours sounded cooler, though. Ballast. You know, the ballast. <laughs> That's what I thought it was cool. It, maybe Good it Lord. is. It might be. Me I... chooses to do a podcast and pronounces everything completely different than most I people. Could be Although wrong. I'm not a shit person. Charlotte did text us that somebody at this dog event she's at said necropsy. <laughs> so it's not just me. Y'all. There is one other person in the world that says that that way. At least two others. The person <laughs> I learned the word from and the person at the dog event. Who did you learn the word from? Uh, my vet friend. Oh, really? My training and vet friend. Yeah. So you have a vet friend that says necropsy. Yeah, she's not she's a vet tech, but still that's that's very cool. Yeah. I uh feel like that that puts some weight behind it. But yeah, so the blast. Yeah. The ballast. Is that what you said? Okay. <laughs> I said ballast, but maybe that's not I don't know. Like I'm not a ship person, so uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not either. Uh who knows? Fuck it. I don't care. Well, I've already obviously. I've already made the disclaimer that I pronounce stuff weird. So <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so that so yeah, so they have increased bone density in their limbs. Mm-hmm. Um and like some of the other mammals we've talked about, their their nostrils will close when they're swimming, but their ears will also close too. Oh which are just little otter ears. Yeah, it's just the teeniest the little ears. <laughs> they're so small I'd have to pinch them with tweezers. I couldn't even pinch him with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should uh, rate how easy it would be for you to pinch all of these animals' ears. Oh, yes. Absolutely. They can dive 250 feet down. That's incredible. Um, yeah, and they can hold their breath for about five minutes. That's incredible. So another adaptation that they have is their teeth are like their molars are actually like flatter and wider to crush shells of the things they eat. Oh, yeah, they do love shelves, don't or shells, not shelves, <laughs> shells. Yes, they love mollusks <laughs> um, and shellfish. So, and their forepaws, so their low front paws are um, a little smaller than their back ones. And this is like the second coolest fact of the day. <gasps> I think I know what it is. What do you think it is? Is it pockets? They have pockets? That's not the fact. No. That is a fact that, that <laughs> we're going to talk about, but that's not this one. So their forepaws are smaller uh, than the back ones. And really cool fact, they have their forepaws have retractable claws. Oh, very neat. And they use those to like groom themselves, eat, and hold the tools that they use to break open Aww. shells, which we'll talk but about. I feel like it's probably well. easier for them to swim without the claws. Probably more efficient to have them retracted maybe when they swim. Yeah, and like they're, they need those for other things. Their paws are webbed also, obviously. So yeah, they've got some cool shit. Um they have that big muscular tail that acts as a little rudder. 
And something else cool about them, actually, which I did not know until very recently, as in earlier today, um, <laughs> they are the only marine mammal that does not have a layer of fat that keeps them warm. How do they stay warm then? I'm so glad you asked that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's their fur. So we've talked before about how chinchillas have the most hair per follicle, right? And that's why mm-hmm. they're so soft. But sea otters have the densest fur of any mammal in terms of per square inch. So anywhere from 650,000 to 1 million hairs per square inch. Jesus. A fucking million in a square inch. That's like, incredible. I That's unfathomable to me. Yeah. Oh, and don't they have like oil on their fur or something? Don't they kind of groom and put oil or spread oils on their fur to like help keep water off or something like that? Yeah, yeah. They actually spend, they spend about a quarter of their day grooming themselves because so they have to clean their fur. I know, right? They have to clean their fur, not only like clean it to get stuff out of it, but when they are doing this like self-grooming, they are like rubbing air bubbles into it and body oil into their fur. And they'll like roll around and they'll actually blow air into their coat. So the air bubbles, so they have two layers of fur. They have like these water repellent guard hairs on the outside Mm -hmm. and then really soft insulating fur at the, that t- meets their skin. And so these air bubbles help keep them warm and more buoyant. So they're, yeah, to what you said, they're rubbing in like body oils into the fur. So the claws help with that, right? Get down in that dense fur. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of roll around, blow air into their coat. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> so cute. And something super cool is the only time, so their skin will never get wet. Water will never touch their skin. That's amazing. And they fucking live in water. The only caveat to that is if the fur gets matted from like an oil spill or other dumb human shit. Oh, shit. But otherwise, can you like, their fur is only a few inches long. Like, Mm -hmm. and they, their skin never gets wet. Like that's fucking insane. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that's so cool. (laughs) I just love them. Oh, uh, but that badass fur is why they almost went extinct, which we will get to when we talk about our threats. Uh. Okay, so that's kind of their background, right? And and some of their adaptations. But in their actual habitat, they almost live exclusively in the water. They will usually only come to shore to escape predators, or if they need to like rest or recover from an altercation Mm -hmm. or something like that. And they will actually usually pick areas that are human heavy so that the predators don't go near them. So like one positive thing about people, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As long as they're not the predators. Right. Um, Which legally we can't be now. Thank God. Um, Yeah. So to your point, they mostly inhabit like those shallow coastal areas that are fairly close to shore mm-hmm. um, places where there's a lot of food and a lot of like kelp mm-hmm. and they actually eat 25% of their body weight a day. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine eating that much a day? So a 200 pound person, that's 50 pounds a day <laughs> of food that they would be eating. That's incredible. 
Yeah. And one of the reasons why they eat so much is to burn it all to help keep warm. I was like the metabolism. Yeah. High metabolism to have a lot of heat produced. Yep. Exactly. And they eat, um, they'll eat like sea snails, clams, mussels, Mm, crabs, (laughs) sea urchins, (laughs) abalone. They'll even eat like octopus and some little squids. Ooh. Delicious. Yeah, they actually eat about 75 different species. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's cool, huh? And they'll mm-hmm. use those claws, they'll use those teeth, and they use tools to open the shells. Oh, yeah. They'll use little are... rocks and stuff, right? They'll, like, smack them yeah. with rocks. So they do two <laughs> things with rocks. So if <laughs> it's very exciting. So if they are close to shore and there's like rocks on shore, they will actually take like, let's say they have a clam, they will take it and like bash it against the stationary rock <laughs> that's on shore or not even shore, right? If there's a little outcropping, it, you know, mm-hmm. offshore or whatever. But yeah, they keep rocks with them and they use them to smash Oh, the and they'll open. pick like their favorite. Won't they keep like their favorite ones? Somewhat. So it is a bit of a myth that they have like a favorite rock that they never get rid of. Um, but they will pick a good rock and keep it for a while. Um, and they have little pockets in their armpits, by their <laughs> armpit, to store the rocks in. That's so cute. All right. So, cute facts aside. Uh, sea otters are really important. They're considered a keystone species. So if we remember, um, keystone species means that the ecosystem would be vastly different in a bad way without them. So Mm -hmm. they impact a ton, like literally hundreds of other species. Their feeding habits actually help keep forests, kelp forests and seagrass beds in balance Mm -hmm. because... Some of the things they eat, eat kelp and different kind of seagrasses. And so the reason why this is good is because kelp and seagrass provide habitat, including like nursery habitat, which is the cutest word ever, but for literally hundreds of different species of fish and invertebrates. um, If you look at all of where sea otters live. And so they're a helping keep habitat for other animals or, you know, other species, but these, these kelp forests and these seagrass beds also help prevent coastal erosion. And one of my favorite things, they store carbon. Oh yeah. As we know, the ocean in general stores a fuckload of carbon, but you know, the kelp and these, these underwater kind of forests, I guess, um, grasslands underwater, they store a lot of that. So, Amazing. so they help those they help those underwater kind of forests and grasslands stay intact. And they've actually improved seagrass beds off the central coast of California. Um, They've found that these sea otters are feeding on a lot of crabs. And so less crabs mean more sea slugs. I love sea slugs. But the cool thing about sea slugs is they feed on algae that grows on seagrasses. Oh, and inhibits it. And so keeps. the sea slugs are eating the algae, which keeps the seagrass healthier and more abundant. Gotcha. That makes more sense. Or that makes sense. Yeah. So you can see, like, all, see, you can see all of these <laughs> different ways where sea otters are very, very important 
And we'll talk about um, a little more on that when we go over some good news about them. After all the bad news about them. After all the people stuff. Yeah, after all the human stuff. Um, Yeah, so, okay, so they can breed throughout the year, um, but normally they will have pups in the spring. They have one, only one pup at a time. Oh, really? Yeah, the the Alaskan populations generally only have one pup a year in the spring. Um, The ones in warmer waters will have them year round, but most of them are in the spring. And it they it's kind of like um, waterfowl where they basically uh, hold them down and mate with them. So the males will like grab the females by the face and head and it can actually cause scarring. And like sometimes they'll kill the female oh. because grabbing on with those teeth like caught. Yeah, it's kind of fucked up. I think we do kind of obsess over a species because we think it's cute and then they're maybe a little absolutely a little disturbing um okay so what okay so the cool fact that i had earlier was that they have retractable claws but i said it's the second coolest fact of the day mm-hmm. the coolest fact of the day and uh, this is gonna like your head's gonna explode because this everything comes full circle it goes all the way to the top uh, the fact of the day is that sea otters also have delayed implantation, just like bears. Really? So they are like yeah. little ocean bears. You're not as blown away by that as I wanted you to be. <laughs> I am very blown away <laughs> by it. I'm just still stuck on the whole gross, you know, matey thing. You got to lead with the cute stuff or the the cute and the amazing stuff and then tell me about the gross stuff. No, no, because I no, because you have to get the bad the bad stuff first, so you can have a palate cleanser with the cute stuff. Okay, so you're just kind of like intermixing to kind of even it out. No, that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, it's just a roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> that yeah. does make sense. But so they have delayed. So bears do it so that they can fatten up for winter, right? Um, but sea otters do it because they will breed basically as soon as their current pup is gone and sometimes the males will come they'll start hanging around more and actually kind of force the pup away and so the delayed implantation creepy i know but what that delayed implantation does is it gives that female time to put weight back on and prepare for the new pup um because you know taking care of a pup and nursing and getting food for two you know, two animals takes a toll. So it gives them a chance to, you know, get their weight back up and things like that. That makes sense. They definitely would need a breather between. Because so pups stay with the mom for about six to eight months, sometimes a little more, but usually about six to eight months. Mm. I'm amazed at how short of a time. Well, six to eight months is pretty short for a mammal that big. If you look at. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Even like beavers or river otters, those are closer to a whole year. Mm-hmm. And actually, beavers can be up to two or three years. Um, they'll stay in family groups. Oh, wow. But that that is pretty short, like yeah. in general, for a mammal of that size. Mm-hmm. That that's a pretty short time frame uh, for them for them to go out on their own. But the, a really cute thing if about baby sea otters is their coats are so fluffy and buoyant that they literally can't dive 
underwater <laughs> until they get their adult coat. That's so cute. But it, that's by design, right? Like most things in nature, it's by design. It allows them to float all on their own so the mother can dive for food and leave the pup at the surface. It's like built in like arm floaties. Yes. Kids have. Little otter arm floaties. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it it makes it so that the pup can stay at the surface safely while the mom gets food. Well, mostly safely. Sometimes a male will come in and try to kill it so that they can breed. So, yeah. So they usually float on their backs in the water unless they're hunting or like cleaning themselves or engaged in like breeding or some other active thing but their default mode is just floating on their backs which is the cutest fucking thing cozy and and they like to stay so another reason why they like to stay in those kelp forests is because it helps them not like drift away while they're sleeping Mm. so hanging out in those kelp forests helps like keep them in that general area where they want to be yeah it kind of it kind of helps restrain them there Mm -hmm. Uh, and, you know, they're, they do hang out in, in groups. They're social mostly for safety, but they also keep to themselves. Hmm. So they float in these kelp forests in the large groups and in open water, they'll also float in huge groups and they'll actually hold on to each other's limbs so that they all stay together. Like, how cute is that? That's adorable. <laughs> or any, like, they'll hold a tail and one will hold another. Like, we'll post some photos of... of these groups and these groups of sea otters together are called rafts, a raft of sea otters. <laughs> That's adorable. Isn't that so fucking cute? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. A raft of sea otters is like <laughs> my new favorite thing. But yeah, so if you're, you know, if you're in sea otter territory, that's why a lot of times you'll see them kind of group together like that. It's for safety. Um, it's, it's to help, keep them from you know floating way off that makes sense yeah okay are we ready for threats mm-hmm. i'm prepared all right i've steeled myself so the first one isn't our normal threat so remember keystone species and apex species are not the same right keystone mm-hmm. means a lot of other species rely or are altered by that species apex means there's nothing that prey naturally preys on it Um, Not the case with sea otters. So they are actually preyed on by bald eagles, um, some sharks and orcas, and also brown bears and wolves. I'll link a Nat Geo article about wolves, uh, coastal wolves in Alaska, who are preying on sea otters. Wow. Among other things, Mm. you know, we're finding that Wolves are very adaptable. They're going to Brooks Falls and catching fish right next to the bears. Oh my god! Um, they're eating, yeah. They're eating beavers. They're eating sea otters, uh, river otters, all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, it's a pretty cool article. But not the sea slugs. <laughs> not the sea slugs. No one really wants the they, sea slugs. Yeah, nobody wants a sea slug. <laughs> they do have natural predators. Um, but as, as usual, the, the worst thing for them is humans. And I'm not even going to say climate change because that's not even the highest on the list, just humans. Um, so there used to be about 300,000 of them. Mm -hmm. And in the 1700s, thanks to a guy named Vitus Bering, a Danish dude. Sounds like a dick. Yeah, he's a Danish dude who led a huge northern expedition. He found out how awesome their coats are. And as usual, when old white dudes get involved, 
they were hunted to almost extinction. And there was actually like a huge fur trade with like China and like all like um, the UK, like all of these like worldwide trading um, because of sea otter fur. So and if that guy's name sounds familiar, the Bering Sea, the Bering Strait, Bering Glacier, Bering Island, all named after him. God damn it. Can we name things after better people? Right? Yeah. So so during that time in the 1700s and 1800s, they went from 300,000 to under 2,000. Oh. That's so there were less than 2,000. Disgusting. Thankfully, this was being noticed. And there, there was, it was called the North Pacific Fur Seal Convention. And it was in 1911. And several different countries, uh, so the U.S., uh, Japan, Russia, and Great Britain, who was representing Canada. Uh, at that point, Canada had become independent of Great Britain, but they didn't have legal autonomy yet mm. um, until the 1930s. Wow. These treaties were signed by all these different countries, and it outlawed most hunting of sea mammals for fur, except under certain indigenous practices, uh, which we've talked about on the polar bear episode a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's the same concept with seals and sea otters. But yeah, so so um, they are protected under that. And that, that was specifically hunting things for fur. Um, and they are also protected under the Marine Mammal Protection Act, the same thing polar bears are protected under. Mm-hmm. And the Endangered Species Act as well. Mm. So they have three different protections. So are they currently considered endangered then? Yeah, they got, so they've been like delisted and then relisted a few times. There was a review in 2021 and um, it was decided to keep them listed as endangered. Mm. So it's not critically endangered, but it's endangered. There's now there's an estimated 125,000 of them. So quite a lot, quite a bounce back. Still so few compared to... Yeah, less than half. Initially, like, that's crazy. Another shit that humans do. Um, I'll just touch real quick on climate change. Um, so the reason why that's really bad for sea otters is it's destroying their habitats. Oh, the kelp and stuff, right? The kelp the... and also coral mm. reefs. Oh, yeah. Coral reefs, if you think about all the different species that live on coral reefs... Uh, now, coral reefs aren't in all the areas sea otters live in, but they do go down to Mexico, right? And so as these, as there's like coral bleaching and, you know, things are dying off around those, that's a huge, mm-hmm. that's a huge food resource for, for sea otters. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, also we have they, like certain kind of sharks that are moving more north or coming more to the shore, right? And, and those are preying more on sea otters as well. So that's kind of how how it's impacting them. And I would imagine as the ocean gets warmer and warmer, they are going to move more and more north, which is going to have devastating impacts for the seashore, uh, the West Coast seashore. Very sad. So there was actually, yeah, there was a 20-year study by UC Santa Cruz, and it basically showed that the kelp canopy along the coastline between San Francisco and the Oregon border dropped by 90% um, because of the combined effects of the, the basically heat wave, right? The marine heat wave from climate change and an overpopulation of sea urchins. 
Wow. Yeah. So the Monterey Bay Aquarium and the Center for Biological Diversity are working with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife, and they're going to reintroduce sea otters in the northern part of California and in Oregon. Nice. About time. Yeah. And then one last thing with threats is, you know, humans, just our activities in general, oil spills, that's probably definitely one of the biggest, probably definitely. Ugh. That's one of the biggest when they happen. Because um, as we talked about, that makes it so they can't insulate themselves and their food, their food and their habitat dies off in oil spills. Ocean pollution is another one. Um, getting entangled with fishing gear and boats. Getting struck by boats. Which is terribly, terribly sad. I know. And poaching, right? Because that definitely still happens, especially for their fur. But, you know, we've got some of that good stuff too, right? We're we're seeing that they're protected under those three different things. So that first seal convention, the Marine Mammal Protection Act, and the ESA. So we've got everybody on board, literally everybody where sea otters live has signed this treaty and is on board with you know, the science behind it and why we need them. Uh, And then, you know, the fact that Mm -hmm. um, Fish and Wildlife is working on that reintroduction into Oregon and Northern California, um, again, north of the Bay. Those are really good signs. And they're good signs. I think, I think they're good signs, not just because like, oh, we need more sea otters, but people are really starting to realize that trophic cascade, right? And again, that is where, you have, it's like a trickle down effect, right? Um, So the sea otters eats this, which saves this, or it nests, an animal will nest here, which keeps this down. Like that trophic cascade is just basically the effects of a certain species. And when, when we say, hey, we need more sea otters, but also we have all these other issues going on off these coasts, let's, you know, do two things at once. Let's get some more sea otters up here and um, and and that's going to help with those other things. And so, the reason why I get optimistic, I'm I'm not going to say I'm a pessimist, but I'm a realist. And there's not a lot of things that I am very hopeful about when it comes to the planet. Mm-hmm. But there's these little things that help me restore my faith. So you have an aquarium. You have a, a really awesome nonprofit in the Center for Biological Diversity, and you have a government entity, Fish and Wildlife, and they have all agreed to these these different facets, right? And they're all seeing what's happening and realizing the impact that just one species can have on so many other things. And if that spreads, if we can get more of that, you know, th- that's where we want to go. That's where I want to go at least, right? I we want yeah. Yeah, we we want to realize these things and we we want to make sure we're doing what we can to undo what we did in the past. Absolutely. Yeah, so if you want to help sea otters, you can donate to the Center for Biological Diversity. Um, you can check out some of the links that we're going to post on what's going on with them. And when you're out recreating, make sure you are keeping your distance, uh, watching them from afar using optics, that sort of thing, uh, if you are able to see them up close and personal. So that's what I got for sea otters. Well, it was wonderful. Um, so would you rather have a sea otter or a polar bear fall through the ceiling? 
and it, well, let's see. So it can't kill you? Um, no, it can. That, I was just saying if somebody oh. else wants to play that it can't. Or <laughs> or you can just make it up and say, well, if I'd pick this one if they don't kill me. I don't care. It's a totally made up game. So you just make up the rules as you go. I want to say a polar bear, actually. But that's a really hard one. They're both so cool. What about you? I would pick a polar bear. Uh, death, death aside. Because... <laughs> A, I've never seen one, and I've seen quite a lot of sea otters. But B, sea otters mm-hmm. don't do well out of water. Aww. And so I would rather have a polar bear in my house. And I also don't live by the ocean, so I couldn't, like, get a little kiddie pool. Get him back, you know? Whereas I could just, I have some salmon in the fridge, I could, or in the freezer, I could give the polar bear, you know? And just turn the AC up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, fuck, it gets gets like 20 below here, so I don't think oh, he's going to care true. that much if he lives with me. But yeah, I would pick a polar bear. Um, even though I couldn't like I would want to like if I got if if it was a sea otter, I'd want to swaddle it, mm-hmm. you know, like swaddle it in your arms and oh, just yeah. like a 90 pounds marine mammal yeah no but i know that's the part that you forget yeah (laughs) because it's just it just doesn't make sense they just seem so tiny all right all right so we're both going with polar bear Mm -hmm. um yeah so make sure you guys email us uh, any questions comments concerns suggestions uh tell us would you rather have a sea otter or a polar bear fall through your ceiling and why and maybe what would you do with it after like <laughs> i would give the polar bear salmon and just hang out with them right and give i'd give coyote that coyote a beer but the polar bear gets salmon. a beer and a fedora <laughs> the polar bear gets salmon yeah all right um well thanks everybody um again make sure to email us bears and bruise podcast at gmail.com um thank you to acast for hosting and christian mills for our music and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Threads at Bears and Brews Podcast, and on X, uh, if you're on X, at Bears Brews Pod. Yeah, we only have like five followers on there because I'm not active on there at all because I hate it so much. Because <laughs> we just <laughs> insult it so much. The people that are on X are probably like, "Fuck you guys." <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? That's valid. You can say. <laughs> you know, share with your friends, retweet, fuck you. Like, no, <laughs> you know, no coverage is bad coverage or whatever. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Yeah. Thanks everybody. And bye. <laughs> oh, you said <laughs> bye. Yay. All right. Bye everyone.